From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. There are very few things in the world you can be sure of. I am sure tonight that the NBA Game 5 Finals, Heat, Nugget, the Nuggets have a chance to win a championship. I'm sure that Nikola Jokic right now is overwhelmingly the favorite to win the MVP. And apparently, I'm sure also that through this entire process, we're going to find reasons to fault the greatness that this show is not going to support. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, you know, I just don't get it. I'm just going to come right out and say it out of the gates. I don't get it. Sometimes we are so dug in on what we think greatness should look like that when it looks at all different than what people think it should look like, they just don't want to credit it. And I thought through this process of the Nuggets going on a run in the playoffs, it'd be this beautiful discovery, right? Like everybody would fall in love with Denver. They'd fall in love with Jokic. And instead, even in this process, I'm still hearing doubt. I want you to hear, Harry, what Jay Will said this morning about this run for Jokic and then tell everybody, frankly, why he's wrong. Now, what it leaves the door open for is if it's one of the greatest ever, you could probably say maybe not because of who he went against to, to get, to get oh. the numbers to a degree. Because who you play does matter. Oh. Does, it, does it not matter? Like, are, we, are, we, are we not going to say, like, if you're going through a list of individual great bigs, that we're not going to look at the run differently if he's putting up those numbers against other great bigs? Like, I'm, I'm the one that's been on Denver for the past two years. You have. I'm saying if you're looking at it, though, comparing it historically to other incredible runs, you can sit there and say, well, who you play against does factor into that when you're countering it against the others, correct? Okay, so Jay Will is 100% wrong. Let's go through it, okay? He faced the Minnesota Timberwolves in the first round, right? Yep. They have a seven-footer in Carl Anthony Towns, who a lot of people are fond of, can play the game of basketball at a very, very high level, on top of having a 7-1 center. And Rudy Gobert, who's won Defensive Player of the Year three times in his career. I'll say it again. Rudy Gobert has won Defensive Player of the Year three times in his career. Jokic balled out in that series. Round two, he goes against... Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, two of the greatest scorers, I believe, of all time that the game has ever seen. On top of a guy in DeAndre Ayton, who was paid like one of the best centers in the league. Even though DeAndre Ayton may not have stepped up and played to his capabilities, that's not Nikola Jokic's fault. He still went against those guys. Won that series in six games. Won the first one against Minnesota in five games. Let's go to the Los Angeles Lakers, where he's playing against arguably one of the best players to ever play the game in LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who a lot of other people, not me, want to crown and say he's going to be up in the Lakers arena and whatever, rafters hanging his jersey and whatnot. But what was the main thing a lot of people were talking about Anthony Davis uh, wise that he did so excellent throughout the playoffs, Fitz. Oh, his defense. Oh, his defense. His defense was phenomenal. His defense, until he played damn Nikola Jokic, right? And Nikola Jokic put his stamp on things and showed what he's truly about by sweeping Anthony Davis and LeBron James in the Los Angeles Lakers in four games, earning a trip to the NBA Finals for the first time in Devin Nuggets history. Now he's going against Bam Adebayo and also Jimmy Butler. Well, he's continuing to do the same thing that he did against all the other opponents, right? The basketball cerebral that he has, the phenomenalness that, that he shows on the offensive end and passing the ball and trusting his teammates on top of 
playing defense as well. So I mentioned all those four teams that he's going against who have phenomenal players on their team, and we're sitting up here talking about he didn't play against anybody? That's BS. It's Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And, and look, we can't have it both ways in this. How often do we do this in football? Usually we're prisoners of the moment in a positive way. In this situation, it feels like everyone's resisting that. I don't know why, but to your point, not only has he played against good players, he's played against huge brands. Why is it we spent years saying it's Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady? Well, the two were never facing each other, and I've never once heard somebody step back and say, wait a minute, before we crown Brady for his greatness, should we at least consider the fact that the rest of the AFC was trash for a decade of that? Like, we don't talk about the AFC East being awful and him cherry-picking against a bad division to make sure that they always get home field advantage and that they're always in the playoffs right like we don't talk about that because frankly greatness at some point rises above are we not seeing that now like frankly i don't give a damn who you're playing but we can't pick and choose the brand conversation like this brand conversation means you went out and you beat lebron like that as you you're beating playoff jimmy you're making eric spolstra supposedly the golden god of coaches look like he doesn't know what the hell you're doing and now i'm supposed to say it's not good enough because you're not playing bill russell every single night that's stupid And I don't know why we constantly try and find a way to tear down the Nuggets and Jokic instead of building up greatness, which is what we're seeing right now. Here's the most upsetting part about it. Throughout this entire playoffs, Jokic is averaging 30.1 points per game, 13.3 rebounds a game, and 9.8 assists a game. He's had the most points, rebounds, assists in NBA history throughout this span while one player and we're talking about this run isn't phenomenal it should be questioned Kevin Durant gonna be in the Hall of Fame LeBron James gonna be in the Hall of Fame basketball that is Anthony Davis gonna be in the basketball Hall of Fame and you're gonna tell me he's sweeping one of one of two of those guys and then winning in six in the other one and doing it in a great deal of fashion and we're gonna question the run that he's on what, what questions do we have? Well, I don't have any. It's, it's wild to me, too, because what happens so often is it becomes, well, he's not facing Shaq. He's not playing against Hakeem Olajuwon. He's not taking on Bill Russell. These aren't standard pigs, right? He's also being asked to do things that that generation wasn't asked to do, that those players weren't asked to do. And the biggest part of all of it is, to me, all we can do is take the success you're having against your peers. Because the thing we know about your peers is they're all dealing with the same version of the NBA, right? So this is you being able to take on this world, this league, this game, this way. And to your point, right now, including the regular season and playoffs, Jokic leads the NBA in rebounds and assists. All right? He'll finish the season doing that. If you want to make the Mount Rushmore of players that have ever accomplished that, you can only put two heads on it. It would be Jokic and Wilt Chamberlain. And at this point, he's leading the NBA in the playoffs in rebounds, assists, and points. If you want to make the Mount Rushmore of players that have ever done that in history, it'd be one. It's just Jokic's head. It's one big mountain of Jokic. Like, what the hell else can somebody do if we're not going to accept this, Harry, as good enough? Yeah, and, and I think, Fitz, when you look at a guy like Nikola Jokic, and if you're on the opposing team, you can do anything that you possibly want to do to try to stop Jokic. It's not going to be able to happen because of the way he plays the game of basketball, because of the intelligence that he has, because of the unselfishness. Think about this now. He's averaging 30, 30 uh, 30, 13, and 9 a game 
in the postseason, and he's the most unselfish superstar I've ever seen in the NBA. Think about that. <laughs> think, think about that. You know, the, the other alarming part of all of this is let's look at Jimmy Butler for just a second, Harry. It's Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. The Miami Heat are in the NBA Finals, and we have not once said anything other than, oh my God, how has playoff Jimmy been able to will his team here? We've never looked at it and said, well, the guard play for the Celtics, he was kind of taking advantage of lesser competitions. We didn't look at the, the Knicks and say, well, you know, I mean, Jimmy should be better than those guys. We didn't do that. We didn't look at the Bucks and say, well, they've got some health issues. Like We didn't do any of that. We have never once qualified any of the rest of this conversation. We're only qualifying Jokic. And I get it. Like, it looks a little different. I get it that, you know, he he's not your typical. He doesn't look like Giannis out there. Like, nope. I understand that. I happen to love the way it looks. But most importantly, at some point, if not now, then when? Like, there are certain times in the sports landscape where we got to look at it and say, man, if you're not willing to give this guy all of the roses, all of the props, build a little parade and just say, look, dude, you are it after two MVPs and this playoff run, man, like, I, I don't know what else you can ask from any human being in these playoffs because there is one answer to who the MVP has been through the course of this playoffs, this series, these games. It's Jokic and everybody in the room's trying to stop him and nobody's capable of it, Harry. That has to mean something. So Fitz, I'm, I'm going to tell you what my, my father used to always tell us growing up. And my father's coached a lot of guys that played in the NBA and still are in the NBA right now, currently at this moment, or overseas playing. He used to be like, give me a player that's skillful and know how to play the game of basketball the right way. You know, that athleticism only takes you so far. But give me a guy that can line up in that triple threat position and make the right pass, shoot the right shot set a solid screen, be unselfish, be a team guy. His teammates love him and he loves his teammates. My pops would rather that player any day over someone who can sky and do windmills and dunk and do all this craziness. The man doesn't barely jump off the floor and he's <laughs> dominating the damn NBA. Think about that. <laughs> God, you're so right. You're right. <laughs> in the thought that you're right, like his vertical is not going to be what anybody remembers him for. And we talk a lot. We joke a lot on this show about the GOAT. One thing we can both agree is that both of our respective GOATs, whether it's LeBron or whether it's MJ, are great salesmen, right? They're, they're just out there like they're going to find a way to sell a shoe and sell a jingle. That's never going to be Jokic. But you know what? doesn't matter when he starts popping those rings on. And tonight could be the beginning of that process for him. Game five of the NBA Finals tonight. We'll have you covered throughout the show. Obviously, don't forget 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC and on ESPN Radio. In the meantime, we've got a ton of NBA to break down over the course of the next few hours, but there was a massive story in the NFL yesterday that could keep a playoff contender from making the postseason this year. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 8. From Barkley's perspective, he's probably sitting here saying, you saw what I did last year? I was healthy. Looks like my old self. I feel like there's been some things out there that's been misleading. I came out public. I've been open about it. I said I want to be a giant for life. It's all about respect. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. From Barkley's perspective, he's probably sitting here saying, you saw what I did last year? I was healthy, looked like my old self. I feel like there's been some things out there that's been misleading. I came out public, I've been open about it. I said I want to be a giant for life. It's all about respect. The Giants are coming off of an incredible season, unexpected for so many fans, 
And one of those years, it just felt like it could be the beginning of something. But in order for that to continue, many think they need Saquon Barkley. As of right now, he has not signed the franchise offer that he's been given. And it doesn't seem like they're getting closer as the deadline gets closer. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, got to give you a side update. I know you're, you're you're worried about it. I need you to get the update. Club Waka, all right, volleyball, or volleyball, kickball. Uh, we, we had a kickball game yesterday. You know, we started slow. We lost to two of the best teams out of the gates. Then we had to forfeit a game because we didn't have enough players. We started 0-3. Well, since then, we got a big blowout win a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. Hasn't been games. We got back on the field yesterday, so we're one and three, but, you know, we're building something. We're building something. We're a little shorthanded yesterday. My foot's broken, so I'm just there, and I'm making sure that I'm keeping everybody. More, uh, support. Uh, More support. I'm there. Yeah, like, I'm there. That's Look, right. I'm, I'm team captain, so I'm showing up if you got to wheel me into that damn place. But in the meantime, at the end of the game, we always give out an MVP. I got to tell you, it was almost, almost a co-MVP, but I'll tell you, Evan, producer Evan, brings home the MVP trophy. He scored both of our runs in a 2-1 win, and, by the way, 2-1 because Devin pitched his <laughs> ass off. We get the two one win. I'm telling you, buddy. I was on the I was on the sidelines yelling and screaming like a maniac. The boys came up big. Uh, Devin pitched a heck of a game. Evan tried to give him the MVP trophy, gentlemen. I gotta tell you both. It was a, it was a stellar effort. Yeah, we, we get another big I win. Two like one. I mean, ooh, how are we feeling in there? We feeling good, Dev? My arms actually kind of sore today. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, well, there oh, was a moment Lord. we we had a, we had a, a pitcher like manager moment where I had to walk up to him because one there was an inning where the bases got loaded. He worked his way out of it. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I walked up to him. I was like, hey, Dev, how's that arm feeling? And he said, uh, I was like, we're, we're about to go into the seventh, which is the last inning. And he looked at me in the eye and said squarely, what, Devin? I can go another seven. You don't, you don't look uh, at You don't look at this. The, yeah, tell me, tell me. Can you throw that, that curve that's what I it's do. tailing yeah. to the outside? Uh-huh. Can, can you also throw the curve while it's tailing inside as well? I'm still working on that. We got, we got a couple more weeks to work on that, Harry, but that's a good okay. suggestion. I love it. Uh, Evan scored both of our runs with great base yeah. running. Uh, the reason we won two to one, two to one, Evan, how, how we feeling today as an MVP? I'm good. Yeah, I feel great. I got the trophy. It says you're the best on it. So yeah. I just put this at my desk <laughs> while I was putting the rundown for today's show together. I reminded myself constantly that I'm the best today, and it's just gonna sit next to me all week. So all week I'm gonna have constant reminders that I'm the best. Evan doesn't need that reminder. He tells himself every day that. I mean, you know, to quote the great Pete Weber, who do you think you are? I am. Oh, wow. Wow. Hey, shout out. Shout out our team. Aptly named. Perfect name for me. Our team, Big Kick Energy, uh, now has two straight wins. And okay. by the way, we're, we're, we're sort of the silly little underdogs out there. Like, not a lot. What, not kind, of energy, what kind of energy again? Big Kick Energy. Big it's Kick big Energy. Big Kick Energy. Don't now get it confused, and, ladies and gentlemen. Now two and three. I'm telling hey, you. Yo. Energy. Look out for us in the playoffs. So, like, we're starting to find a rhythm. Okay, so uh, now we'll get to actual uh, other sports because we're going to talk about whether or not kickball is a sport later. But in the meantime, Saquon Barkley, superstar running back, uh, had his uh, he had a, an event this weekend that he puts on. A bunch of teammates were with him, uh, a bunch of people from the organization. It's obvious everybody loves him. It's obvious he's wonderful, but it's obvious also he was going to be asked about negotiations. So first and foremost, he, he was asked about the stories that are out there about the negotiation process. And Harry, this is what he said. Yeah, it's misleading for sure. Um, I think I've came out and said that I want to be a giant for life. I came out and said that uh, I'm not trying to reset the running back market. So, you know, for those reports to come out and try to make me look like I'm greedy or whatever, uh, I just, that's not even close to being the truth. But it is what it is. 
I mean, he no. says it is what it is, Harry, but yeah. I mean, he is setting the record straight. Well, I would say, and first, let me say this, though, Fitz. There's nothing wrong with a player valuing himself and understanding what he feel like his value may be. Um, and, I, and I will also note that this football team for the Giants last season, in my opinion, everything went through Saquon Barkley. As an individual, he was fourth overall in rushing in the National Football League. As a team, the New York Giants were fourth overall. Um, so much to the point, man, and, I, and I, wrote this, I wrote this number down. Daniel Jones attempted 472 passes last year. The top nine quarterbacks, the top nine passers, averaged 170 or more. So that's almost 100 less passes attempted. It was on multiple occasions, and it was evident that, you know, the head coach, Brian Dable, wanted to save Daniel Jones from himself. That's why they decided to go take everything through the run game. Remember, in, in, in Buffalo, that wasn't the case in Buffalo, right? They were a passing team. But he identified that, okay, I cannot put Daniel Jones in these situations. We have Saquon Barkley. Let's utilize his skill set. The best for the team also, as well as himself as an individual. And he showed up and showed out so much to the point to where he had a lot of success last season. And they did as a team rushing the football. Now, Daniel Jones was a part of that as well because he can utilize his legs. But I thought personally, like when the Giants lost a few games, the games that they did lose last season, I thought it was because the run game wasn't feasible or the run game wasn't up to par like it was in a lot of their wins. And by saying that, I say that Saquon Barkley means so much to this football team. I don't know what the, I pretty much do know what it's going to look like if he's not on the team. But I don't think Brian Dable wants to be in that situation to where now you're relying so, so much solely on Daniel Jones and his arm. Now he's being put in the world of trouble as well. Uh, that's what's hard about all of this. Like from the Giants standpoint. Uh, reset the market is a weird term. Maybe all he wants, according to some reports, they had offered in the past 13 up to $14 million. We don't know the guarantees. We don't know how that works. Uh, but if you're the Giants, you're looking at it saying, we're making what we think are reasonable offers. We know we need Saquon, but it's also the running back position, so we got to be smart. From Saquon's position, he looks at it and says, I don't really care about any of that. I want every time I can possibly get that I think I'm worth right now. Know your worth, you know, and, and know your worth is an interesting statement because you start to think about Saquon, it, just his rookie deal alone, he earned $21 million in his rookie year. He's earned $38 million in his career. He's earned enough in endorsements that, you know, very famously, he he put over $10 million in Bitcoin at one point, and that was just his endorsement done money from that year from the companies he works with. Like, Saquon Barkley is rich, right? So, if you're rich, and you don't want to devalue yourself, I understand that. If you're a team and you don't want to overpay the running backs, I understand that. Like, I think that's what makes this really difficult is that if you play my favorite game, the shoes on the other foot game, I understand where both sides are coming from. That makes finding a resolution even tougher because both sides think they're right. Yeah, I, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. And for Saquon, and, I, and I'll tell you how, you know, a lot of athletes think, Fitz. Like, being rich is good. But being wealthy is a different story. Mm, that's fair. You're in a different category when you're able to become wealthy. You know what I mean? It's, it's two different things. They're, I think they're on two, two different ends of the spectrum. Um, but also I would say this, when it comes to Saquon, and, you know, we've heard the reports about, you know, a, a Dalvin Cook may wanting $9 million to $10 million a year. You got to be careful if you're Saquon too, though, because you have that guy who can be a running back and also a pass catcher out of the backfield still floating around. 
And you don't want it to get to a point to where now the New York Giants saying, okay, forget this. We're going to offer a Dalvin Cook. That's why I think it's best for uh, Saquon that Dalvin Cook go ahead and get up off that market <laughs> so he can be still be in the clear and put, uh, apply a lot of pressure on the New York Giants. The thing everybody needs to know is July 17th. That is the date uh, that uh, they can no longer do negotiations. Uh, at that point, right now, they can, they can try and hammer out a long-term deal. Once they hit July 17th, all of that goes off the table, and his only option will be either sit out or take the franchise offer. That is where things will start to get complicated. You'll hear later uh, some more from Saquon and what he thinks needs to happen uh, in order for a deal to get done. But in the meantime, let's be very real. It's Monday, all right? And that means we had all sorts of chaos from across the sports landscape over the course of the weekend. We need to give you the best and the worst with three up, three down. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. stories in sports guys huge news over here to the bottom this is it rock bottom bottom this is three up three down with Fitz and Harry Three up, three down. We love to do this on Mondays. I'm Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. You know the drill at this point. We're going to give you three things we're up on. Harry gets to do the ups this week. You know what? We're going to let Harry be the beacon of light that he usually is. I will be the turd burglar over here just uh, pooping on everything. That's just what I'm going to do. You got the three up, I got the three down, and we'll let the voice of God start us. What do you got for us first, Devin? Number one. Oh, look at that. It just sounds Ooh. so good when he says that. What are you up on, Harry? Well, number one, we're going to go to the RBC Canadian Open, right? Mm. Now, Fitz, check this out. It's been 69 years since a Canadian has won this nice. tournament. You know, two guys, Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor, and Adam in particular, is going to celebrate with champagne. But not so fast, my friend, as the great Lee Corso points out numerous occasions. The security guard doesn't realize that Adam Hadwin is a golfer, nor that Adam is very, very close with Nick Taylor. He forms, form tackles him, and it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen because it's it's basically something that you could put on a teaching tape when you're teaching young kids and people how to tackle the proper way. So I have this security guard as my number one up because he was doing his job. It's not his job to, you know, know who every golfer is, but it's his job to protect whoever wins. And that person that he was protecting happened to be Nick. Add a baby, Mr. Security Guard. Form tackle in its greatest form. I, I love every ounce of that, by the way. I remember when I was out on tour with Phil Vassar at one point, he walked backstage and the security guard stopped him. And it like, it, Phil wasn't wearing a pass. It, his name was on the tour. Security guard stops him in the arena. And Phil's like, look, look, see the, the huge semi behind there? That's my face. Like, I should be able to get into catering. <laughs> and the guy's like, I don't care if that's your face out there. I don't see your face on a pass. If you don't have a pass, you ain't getting in. Security guards don't know. You see somebody r- running up to a celebration in today's world, bam, you take him out. Kudos right. to, the, to the security guard doing God's work right there. All right, see, you gave me a positive tackle. I'll give you a negative violent event. And it came in the form of the Miami Heat. A little bit of a, uh, there was a little bit of a moment in the game. It was obviously staged where the mascot was going to box Conor McGregor. Now, 
I would argue that Carter McGregor probably didn't understand the fact that the hit would still be felt so hard when he punched him. But he punches the mascot. The mascot falls down. And then he comes down and punches him again. You're seeing it if you're watching us on the app. And I'm telling you, the first punch was good. The second punch was, I mean, just wild. So they play the whole bit out. Well, the Heat mascot ends up having to go to the hospital afterwards to get checked out. And uh, this is what Eric Spolstra said at the Heat press conference about the mascot potentially being ready for game six. If the game comes, if the series comes back to Miami, what does it say about your mascot that he could take a, a punch from Conor McGregor, bounce back, and still be ready to go? Likely in the next home game. That's so. the Miami Heat toughness that we're talking about. <laughs> they should have been allowed to, you know, take the first swing. Um, yeah, we, we won't reveal who who that is, but he's tough. If you can take a punch and get back up and. Yeah, he's not going to miss any time. By the way, speaking of heat injuries and breaking news, Tyler Hero has been upgraded from out to questionable per the Miami Heat. He's been out with a broken hand since the first round. As I go down here, I'm just going to give a big quick down to Conor McGregor's entire career. Like, you went from being the biggest draw in all of MMA to this, like, free everybody has to see it, to now all of a sudden you're hosting one of the shows. Eh, that's fine. You're beating up mascots. Eh, that's fine. I, let's just, this is the very well-deserved trajectory of Conor McGregor. Gregor's career. That's all I have to say about that. Back to you, Harry, for the ups. Number two. Number two. And this one is kind of hard to explain. So I need everyone listening at the moment to just hear something first and then we will get into it. Check this out. Now the three two swung on a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. <laughs> so. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mir Fitz, we are not laughing at John Sterling, who happens to be the Yankees radio announcer. Um, not only did he get hit by that foul ball, he's over 80 years old. And that foul ball hit him pretty damn hard, and he finished the game. So for a guy that's over 80 years old, been doing this for a very, very long time, I love the physical toughness, but also the mental toughness to hang in there. Stay in there, baby. Stay in there and finish calling that baseball game. But I'm sorry. I can't help but laugh every time I see it, and I'm not laughing I'm, at him. It's just how fast the ball We can only Like, we're only laughing because he's okay. So it's okay yes, to laugh. Exactly. Uh, by the way, that was John Sterling on WFAN with the call there. The ow, ow is the part none of us will ever forget. The important part, Evan John Sterling. earlier is, I was so wrong for laughing, and I, and I was trying to hold it in, and uh -huh. I could not hold it in. Well, Fitz, you couldn't hold it in just now. No, no, no. I, I laughed like a maniac. Well, that was, play that it one more time. Play it one yeah, more yeah, time. Yeah, now the... Three, two, swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. Hey, good for him, by by the way, getting back in the call. Uh, we got time for one more one, uh, one more of our ups and downs, and, and I want to get you one that is going to hit your heart a little bit, Harry. You know I love you. All right, you know I love you. Yeah. But I got to give a big old down to Matthew Kachuk. 
All right, you guys know I've made it, look, 39 minutes into the show before I mentioned that my Vegas Golden Knights have the chance to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup tomorrow night in Vegas, up three games to one. But let's keep it real here. We are only four games into this series, and right now, after four games, Matthew Kachuk has the second most penalty minutes ever in a Stanley Cup final series. He's only three minutes back of setting the all-time record. He There was a big melee at the end of the game, more fights. All I can say to you is this, good sir, Kachuk. You suck, and the cup's coming home to Vegas. Woo! I'm just wow. look, look. Look, well, if, if you I, can't win, you might as well wreck oh, shop right. on your and, way out. And he's very good. I shouldn't talk this smack until after the game's over, but I'm just on one. I am on one tomorrow night. I'm just. I'm gonna be sitting. I'm gonna be sitting on the couch watching every second of this. I don't know, man. I might just. It, you know, might. Uh, that hurts. Ow. The, the, ow. 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 That's how Kachuk would make me feel if I ever said that to his face. All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll get you more ups and downs. But coming up is a future Hall of Famer entertaining a win or go home season in the NFL. Vince and Harry, the podcast. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. NBA Finals Game 5 tonight. The Nuggets lead 3-1. You know that. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC and ESPN Radio. Hopefully you know that as well. You may not know this. Per Adrian Wojnarowski, Wojman, Miami's Tyler Hero, who has been upgraded to questionable, is expected to suit up for Game 5 and attempt a return tonight, sources tell ESPN. So we'll make sure you keep we keep you updated. We'll ask our buddy Andre Snellings about that. In about 10 minutes, we'll get into it. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. So... With all of the conversation around OTAs and uh, practices for the NFL, uh, let's remember that DeAndre Hopkins is a free agent. Uh, that means that he's going to start making some visits. One of those visits is expected to be the New England Patriots. Harry, this is what Bill Belichick, Patriots head coach, just said at his press conference on if they're planning on bringing in Hop. Also, uh, report that you guys are going to have DeAndre Hopkins in tomorrow. Is that accurate? I don't know about that. Talk to him, not working through it. I'm not sure. I mean, not surprised we don't get much of an answer, but <laughs> Harry, it at least makes me think about Belichick, who is, let's just say, spicy to deal with, and that's fine when you're winning Super Bowls. But now, uh, I mean, even with DeAndre Hopkins looking at the possibility of the Patriots, part of the reason that's consideration is they don't have great weapons. I don't think they have a great quarterback. No matter how good their defense is, I think they're squarely the fourth best team in their division right now. I know their coach is legendary, but at some point you got to look at it and say, when's enough enough? Because their coach is also, their GM is also, the person hiring the staff like everything that happens for the Patriots and what's gone wrong for them right now lays at his feet I just wonder if there's something on the line this year for him as we continue to look at the Patriots not for who they were but who they will be now I view the Patriots um, the same way you do at the moment because of I don't know what their offense is going to be now you have the stability there now with Bill O'Brien in which to try to get Mac Jones back on the track like he was his rookie season in year two last year was a total disaster to the point to where, you know, Bailey Zappi had to come in and play the quarterback position. And we all know Mac Jones felt some type of way. We heard, um, you know, we know how to read lips on some of the things that he was saying on the bench or whatnot. But that was part of Bill Belichick's fault in thinking he can fix every single thing. 
But sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Now, I think this is a very, very important year for the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick and that organization because that organization is known for being phenomenal, known for going to the playoffs, known for going to the AFC Championship game, known for being in the Super Bowl game itself. Two of the last three years, they did not make the playoffs. And I don't think they can have another stretch this season in which they don't make the playoffs. And I think it's going to be very, very hard. I think if they were to make it, in which I don't believe they are, I think the defense is something that could probably save them. You look at a defense that was top 10 last year, a year ago, they were tied for third in sacks with 54 with the Dallas Cowboys, also tied for fourth in um, turnover differential with plus seven. But for me, when it comes to a Bill Belichick-led team, it was the penalties last year. It was guys doing their own things. It was basically everything except the Patriot way and what we are, are accustomed to seeing. You see the game against the Las Vegas Raiders in which they lose on the last play of the game because, you know, the message isn't driven home from Bill Belichick to the rest of the guys on the football team. Therefore, that resulted in a loss that probably could have helped them make the playoffs. Right. So you see little things like that creeping in. So what I want to see from Bill Belichick and the Patriots this year can they compete at a high level? Can the offense be consistent? Can the quarterback position be consistent? Do they have enough guys on the outside to make plays? But this is a very, very important year, and I think the you know Bill Belichick he has to he has to sniff the playoffs. Uh, for me, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry, I, I'm going to be the first to admit maybe this is recency bias for what I'm seeing in the NBA. But what do we just see, and we're seeing right now tonight, we'll see the Heat. Part of the conversation has been the greatness of Spolstra, but also the greatness of Pat Riley, who at this point has been a player, a coach, or a GM in 25% of all the NBA finals that have ever happened, right? Think about that number. And that just makes me think of Belichick. Like, obviously, Belichick isn't looking to step away from the game anytime. I, I, I think that would be uh, pretty presumptuous. But I do have to wonder if there isn't some sort of a succession plan that makes sense that, that allows Bill Belichick to sort of take on some sort of Pat Riley role with the organization while also helping craft the next coach. Like, one thing that's been interesting about Spo in our conversations is that he's learned so much from Pat Riley, right? Like, it's not like Pat Riley doesn't it, – it's sort of like he extended his tentacles down and helped mold the next one. I wonder if for the Patriots, if you could convince Bill Belichick that that was the right approach, that might actually be the best thing for your team because part of the objective is getting the next Belichick at some point. Well, that's that's hard, though, because when you look at a guy like Bill Belichick, and he might not admit this, uh, admit this, but he's also chasing history as well. When I mean by history, I'm talking about John Shula, who has 328 victories under his belt. Bill Belichick right now has 298. He's 20 behind uh, George Hallis, who has 318, and Don Shula has a 328. But my thing is, it's going to take a while to get to that Don Shula mark. And personally, if the Patriots aren't looking the way they should look, and in in, I think in the next two years, I think it might be time for Bill Belichick to you know go to a different role and allow someone else um, uh, mentor his successor. Uh, in, in those regards and someone else take over. But I think it starts with this year because we're starting to see, I think the last two years, things creep into this football team that we don't normally see creeping creep into a New England Patriots organization. I mean, yeah, the, the Raiders game that you mentioned before, I'll never forget where I was sitting when that ending happened. And that was the least Patriot thing you ever see the Patriots do. Uh, you mentioned Belichick chasing that. Teddy Bruschi, ESPN NFL analyst, talked about that very thing, chasing Shula on Greeny. 
Well, you got Shula coming up, which I think it'll take a couple seasons for him to get. I think it's a goal of Bill and probably a goal for the Kraft organization and the Patriots to get Bill to that all-time victories mark. If that takes a couple years, that's what it'll be. It is in transition. Last year, was it was a mess in there yeah. in terms of <laughs> coaching and the offensive structure. So they've got things fixed a little bit now. We'll see how many victories they can get this year. It's a tough division, but Bill's got probably carte blanche and how long he can be there, but I'd love to see him pass Shula first. The, the failings yeah, on that. Really quick. Let me say this really quick. It wasn't just that, too, though. It was special teams on top of it. But right? those- you, you allowed two you know, returns for touchdowns against the Buffalo Bills, with a, which helped you lose football games. We're not accustomed to seeing that from, from a Patriots team. But all of those coaching failings were Bill's fault. He hired those people. And 30 wins True. short, that's not a couple of years. That's four or five years. We'll keep breaking it down, but coming up, the Heat need a hero to keep the series alive. They may just get one tonight. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 